I got a bad glass door review. Not again. Welcome to Tradeoffs, where product habits Heaton Shaw and ProfitWell's Patrick Campbell discuss tech through a product-first mindset to inspire you to think differently. This week, they talk about sales. The best salesperson is with the best or most expensive product. Swag. Swag is one of those things where I think we try to be really clever and I think we succeed with it, but then we don't do the basic stuff. And alignment. It's good to figure these things out, especially in the market the way it is today. I don't think we have a choice. We have to make sure people are coming on with the right uh, sort of alignment with the company. And if they're not, then everyone's wasting time and it's precious time. Peyton, how's life, man? How you chilling? Doing good. Got my Facebook shirt on. I shaved my beard. Yeah, just for good. You. Thanks. I like it. Is nice. that like an OG Hell Facebook yeah. shirt? Uh-huh. Heck yeah. Is that you wear that with pride? You're like, this was like pre OG. Yeah, like, all the OG stuff great. matters. I was even there on IPO day. It was great at the office. It's cool. Meeting a buddy. Here's an interesting question about Facebook shirts. Shirts where the startup name is just across the front. How do we feel it's about this? Really? I just feel like it's lazy. It's a flex. I want it's like, like that's a all we need shirt. to show you. That's all we need to do. The reason is like, more people are going to wear that shirt than your fancy shirt. so hard. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have the other shirts, but you need the basic shit too, I think. That's my take. I like the other crazy shit too. Don't get me wrong, like a lot, but fancy is more like a limited edition type of deal. I can't wait for your shirt drops. I like your shirts, by the way. I like that gold on gray, like, dude, the cream one, like, come on, man. Like, we gotta do like you, you need to do more of those, bro. You need to do more of those. Yeah. Did you see our uh, knock off white shirt? I don't think so. You know, off white, right? Yeah. The brand. It's got a famous shirt. I'm not going to bring it up right now because it's not helpful. But basically, we did a knockoff of that shirt and it actually looks pretty dope. If you don't know, you're kind of like, oh, like that's just an off white shirt. And then you just kind of look at it and be like, wait, that says Profilwell on it. What is that? That makes me happy. But I think for our shirts, we try to be a little too clever where it's like our actual name is not on the shirt. And then people are like, Oh, that was a cool shirt. Like, but no one's like, yeah, I don't know. It's come, some company gave it to me. So we're trying to add it to like the sleeve or like down by the bottom of the shirt or on the back of the neck or whatever. It's interesting. Swag is one of those things where I think we try to be really clever and I think we succeed with it, but then we don't do the basic stuff. And then all of a sudden we're like, ah, we should do the basic stuff. And every time we go to it, we're like, yeah, but it's not fun. It's not fun to send like a water bottle, but honestly, like that's what people still use and they see and they talk about, which is kind of that's right. Basics mugs basic. work too. Be I have basic. a work OS mug that like randomly shows up with my tea in the morning because my wife makes the tea and then the mug shows up and I'm like, oh, this work OS mug, great, love work OS. Yeah, it's interesting. I got a little bit of a gripe. I'm gonna I'm gonna share some gripes. I think this is gonna be a nice gripey episode. We're looking for a vendor for basically swag and like boxes. Yeah, and, like, I've looked like for those that. before. Yeah. Well, so. On one end, you have Sendoso. It's like the Cadillac of the market. And then on the other end, I don't know if they'd like me to like characterize it this way, but you have kind of like just basic swag sends. This is like swag up where there's no account. There's no like perishable goods, anything like that. And it's been really fascinating of like how terrible salespeople are. Like, cause I haven't been on this many sales calls in a while, like yeah, where you're evaluating the prospect yeah. and oh my gosh, showing up super late, like not asking me what I'm looking for. And ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, it's actually probably makes sense. Like the best salesperson is with the best or most expensive product. Like the best guy is the Sendoso guy. And basically his product is way too expensive and we don't need anywhere near what it offers. It's really, it's all full featured. That's their whole play is like, we have everything, right? 
but he's so good. We're considering it. We're like, yeah, maybe we do need this like $10,000 add on that like we probably don't need, but like he's just doing well at it. He's selling us the vision. And then it's just been funny, like responsiveness and like, I don't know. Anyways, there's a lot of swag companies out there that help and there's terrible salespeople out there, but there's really good salespeople out there too. So that's my little, it's a little grind my gears for this afternoon here. We got more gears to grind. Keep going. I know. You want to talk about the next gears? Let's talk about Glassdoor. Yep. What happened, Patrick? So I got a really bad Glassdoor Sorry. review. You're going to roast yourself and read it to us or what's the deal here? How far you want to go here, Patrick? Well, so I here's the funny thing. Of opinions they on Glassdoor. deleted it? Yeah. I know. That's why I wanted to like expand this topic. And the, the swag slash sales thing was like the amuse bouche to, to this, this glass door conversation. So they did delete the part that was about me. So we saw it when it was posted. I like saw it, talked about it, did these types of things. And then all of a sudden, like I went back to it and it's gone and other people it's gone for them too. It was definitely fiery. Like I can, I can go through it a little bit. There's some things that kind of revealed the person and that maybe is why they deleted it. And so I don't want to like read too much of it. Oh, I don't care if you do or not. I was just trolling you. Well, there's a couple things. So one, they love the dog-friendly office. So that's... that's you definitely have one. Here. Yep. CEO is brutally honest and disrespectful, blatantly called colleagues of mine stupid, and even questioned my own knowledge. While I understand there's a learning curve sometimes, belittling employees to feel stupid or inept is extremely toxic. One-on-one calls and meetings with our CEO gave me severe anxiety. He had no problem berating employees in front of others. Here's kind of the, the stream of consciousness on this. So one, if that hit me, let's say six years ago, the response would have been F this person, right? Like probably seven, eight years ago, like super defensive, like WTF, just to be super clear, like I searched myself when I read this, I was like, I don't think I've ever even at that point said anyone was stupid to their face or like openly tried to belittle. In general, it doesn't sound like you and I kind of know you. And I even know you in a work environment and at work to some extent, and it just doesn't sound like you. So, so that's, that's why it's easy to get triggered. It'd be like WTF, right? No, 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 no. But like six, seven years ago, WTF, F this person, et cetera. I think three, four years ago, devastated. What did I do wrong? What can I improve? Why did this person feel this way? Oh my gosh, et cetera. One to two years ago, alignment. I look back, did I do something wrong when I read this or if they had other details, like was there an interaction where I'm, I'm embarrassed by it or I didn't do something wrong? No. Then this person, I feel very bad because they did not have a great experience, but I know I'm not for everybody. I know like I don't berate people. I know I don't belittle people. I know I don't do these things. I do know the things that someone could say that to, like meaning like I'm sometimes very direct and I don't like put a bunch of things around it, but I don't yell, don't do these types of things. So it's just like one of those things where I'm like, okay, like that sucks. Like I actually feel deep empathy. And then on the other hand, I'm like, there's probably something I could have done. And the thing I probably could have done, and this is what we've changed in the last year is as soon as like we recognize someone's having like really harsh times, like interacting with myself or Facundo or someone else. And it's again, there wasn't anything that was like actually like done wrong get that person to a new manager, get that person to a new job. Like don't let the resentment build. Cause that was the thing that we did is we would like try to work with them and like, okay, what can I change? But, and it's like, you're changing on the margins to the point that it's being distracting. It's not good for anyone. Like there's resentment building everywhere, even if it doesn't manifest. And it just creates like a really bad environment for everybody, even if you're trying to make it a good environment. And so that's kind of how I was when I read this, I was like, you know what? It sucks that the person had that environment. I can understand and accept their feelings, but I also know that it probably wasn't like a situation where like I actively did something. It was probably something where like 
they inferred it and I gave them reason to infer it. And therefore, like, you know, I get this glass door review, right? It doesn't mean I didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't mean I couldn't help. It doesn't mean that I didn't make them feel this way. It just means that, like, there isn't something that, like, overall I know that I can change. I just need to find people who align better with me and and I align better with them. And, and the last thing I'll say, and I want to get your take, is, like, that was something that really helped me um, about a year ago. There's some things that happened where I was still kind of like, oh, man, what am I doing wrong? I suck. What's going on? Right. And someone told me they were like, yeah, but look at these two people. You act the same unless you're like a sociopath or something. And they're crushing it and they love their job. So like this isn't like you're doing something wrong. Maybe it's just not a good personality fit with this person. Right. And that, and that really unlocked me to like, oh, interesting. Now, have we done things in the past or not been clear enough and that led to bad glass door reviews? A hundred percent. Like, and I try to respond and we can talk tactically about this. I try to respond to like every bad glass door review and just like talk about like, yes, we did this poorly. We're better now. Or like, eh, it's not exactly how we think about things. Sorry, you didn't see it that way. But like, anyways, like I'm not saying we have never done anything wrong or I've never done anything wrong or hadn't need to improve, but that's kind of my stream of consciousness on that. And I'll, I'll shut up now to get your yeah, take. Yeah, here's mine. I would consider responding to the positive ones too. They let you do that, right? I think so. I just so don't I would do consider that. that. That's just a thought, impulsive thought that came to mind when I heard you say that. Uh, the reason is, if you're just responding to bad ones and you're just being reactive to negative things, if you're responding to the good ones, I think that's good too. Basically, think of it this way: I think of that page on Glassdoor for your company as a recruiting tool, and the way you you can show off how you respond to negativity, you can show off how you respond to positivity. And, and you can use that to your advantage, regardless of someone, if someone's positive or negative on there. So I think there's something to be said about using the tool in a way that it's not intended to, because I don't see Glassdoor doing things beyond the business they're in. Like, I don't just don't see them pushing it. Um, so I can't say that, like, they intentionally make it easy for you to do these things. Um, they make it really easy for you to sign up because uh, they want you to sign up. I get it because I, I try to read and I have to sign up to read and like, Anyway, it's, it's a little frustrating, their flows, but that's a whole different story because I know they're effective. And there's a lot of other th frustrating things about Glassdoor that I just don't want to get into. But ultimately, it's a site that has a page about your company that you didn't ask for that anyone can go in and say some or some good or bad shit, whatever. They can say some. So you might as well just treat it like that and respond to everything. That would be my number one kind of tip for anybody that's like starting to see bad reviews or just wants to utilize it for what it should be utilized for. It's a representation of your company one way or another, and you want to be there. I think that's like just a stupid, easy tip, and we just don't do it, right, in general. Number two, when I think about this stuff, I think about how there's always two sides to a story. And so anybody viewing it has to think about it that way. And the best someone candidate can do that's on the outside excited about your company, but then see something like that is not to say I'm not going to interview with the company. It's actually go ask you the hard questions. Hey, what happened there? Because I wouldn't want to join you and have that same experience. So what happened there? And then let you speak for yourself that happens. and see what yeah. you believe or don't believe, right? Like That's the way to do it as an employee considering a company. So that's why I go back to there's two sides of the story. So that's number two, because we all have responsibility here when there's a site like Classdoor. And that's me saying it extremely nicely. I do think it needs to exist, but I think that it creates bad behavior by everybody including like CEOs that are reactive or founders or whoever it is there. And they have the CEO rating stuff too. It's a terrible experience, to be honest. And the site should have been built a different way and maybe a nonprofit or something so that we're not all scared of it and worried about it. It just induces anxiety for most companies. I don't think that's what you would want if you're Glassdoor. But anyway, that's Glassdoor in my mind. Uh, then number three, which is really kind of more about how you're talking about your journey through some of this stuff, which obviously 
I've known you for a long time, so I've seen pieces of that and everything you're saying makes sense. We've talked about a few of these things. I have learned to do my absolute best to never take anything personally anymore. And that enables me to sit here and not have a reaction. And that's important in my opinion. And I think that's all you're missing. When I knew you four years ago, six years ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever, you were just taking things personally because it is personal. This is your business. Like you started it and like all these things like matter to you. And you're also a very empathetic human being. So like, you're like, wait, they don't like me. Right. And then it goes back to the book, Courage to be Disliked. Right. And, and, and some of the things about that, which I don't think we've done an episode on it yet, but we're going to we we do, do that. That's, that'll be fun. One. And so, yeah, that's my third thing, which is like this idea of not taking things personally and especially in business, but in life in general, man, I can't stress that enough to founders. I can't stress that enough to people, executives, people, founders, whoever you are, person, human beings. We just need to like really tone down this whole take things personally thing. You see it all over Twitter too. It's hilarious. And like, it causes me to like tweet things like, yeah, Twitter's full of people being reactive, regardless of the, what the original intention of the OP, the original poster was. And then they just get triggered by whatever they got. I, I had some mini rant on Twitter about that. And apparently people liked it. But like, I'm just speaking the truth about what happens. You tweet something, you say something, and everybody reacts. Some people positively retweet it. They like it. Other people negatively. And they imply these things. This happened to me on Instagram too. It happened literally just today. Someone posted some tweet of mine, me talking about how someone gave me advice not to celebrate fundraising when I was first raising money back, back in the day, like a dozen years ago now. And I just said what that lady said to me. I didn't say who it was and I didn't share my opinion about it. I just shared what advice someone gave me. Nobody jumped on me for it because I didn't say it's my opinion or not. It's just advice. And the advice was don't celebrate fundraising. And I think about that often because I have a venture funded company and I'm going to raise more money and I've raised some money and whatnot and something I think about. And, and so to me, when I think about all those things and like I see this thing on Instagram and it getting posted, someone like screenshotted the tweet, posted it. Then a mutual friend of mine who also knows that person that tweeted it went off and said, hey, like this stuff's so hard. You should be celebrating everything. And I just replied and said, hey, look, I respect everyone's opinions and reactions to this. And I call this a nice topic that's divisive and very extremely personal. And that's it, because that's what that topic is. And I, I saw so many people get triggered by me saying that, but like somebody told me that the first time I was raising money and I just wanted to share because it's just an interesting thing that someone said, and they're a very successful person. And they were successful then and they're even more successful now. Now they're retired and they don't care. But the advice they gave was pretty interesting. Whether I believe it or not, I'm not even going to share. But like, I just thought it was interesting, useful advice I think about often. And it triggered people. And so in the same way, like people are just taking things personally. We're in a society where we do that. We're a society where it's on display. And it's very clear when people do that. And that's the thing I, I don't want to say I fight, but that's the thing I definitely manage in myself. Doing my best not to take it personally. I had another one recently where this person's going to report to my co-founder, Marie, but it's my job to negotiate salary because that's just my responsibility between me and her. And so I'm talking to the person, gave him an offer. He's like, hey, I got another offer coming Tuesday. Can you wait? And we're pretty cool, especially when we really like someone and like want to work with them and we want to show them like how we roll. So we're like, yeah, sure. Like, just let us know when you're ready. Ask any questions between now and then. This person asked a bunch of questions to us. In between, it was even like, hey, I'm sorry for all these questions. I'll stop. I'm like, no, no, no. You ask as many questions as you need. You need all the clarity here to make whatever decision you need to make. And this was someone who's coming from a pretty big company. It's coming from like a Fortune 50 company and joining a startup. And he, you know, the person's been at the company for like seven or eight years. And like, we're super excited to work with this person. And so then Tuesday comes around 
in the evening, he's like emails us and says, Hey, I have another offer. I'm not trying to get you to meet it, but I want to talk for like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like, okay. Cause you're still like my number one option. And before I even talk to him, like Marie knows I'm going to go talk to him. And I, I would say she's more triggered than me. I'm not triggered at all. Like I'm not worried about him not coming on or him coming on or anything. I think she's taking it a little personally. She's not saying too much because she knows it's my my handling of it. And she was try, trying to tell me some things about it. And I was just like, hey, I'm good. Like, I'm going to talk to him and we're going to have an honest conversation. We're going to figure out what we need to do here if he really does want to join us. And what do we need to get to? And so I hop on the call and like tells me he's a straight shooter. Like, that's what I like. That's what we like as a company. He's, he even sold me even more with the way he treated the conversation. He's like, look, this is the other offer. This is your offer. And he was like a little nervous and stuff. I'm like, hey, just tell me what you want. And he told me what he wanted, gave him a little bit more and it's done. He signed it. It wasn't a big deal. So what I'm trying to say there is like, we take things personally and we make everything a big deal and we don't need to do that. It's not worth it. What I found most helpful is, is less the like, don't take things personally. And more of like, if I'm going to take it personally, what's like the order of operations like in my head? in order to like handle it. Right. Because I, I think for me, at least like, I think it's just different ways up the mountain, all semantic. Like, I think it's just a semantic thing. Like it's the exact same thing you're saying, but just for folks who might think a little bit more like me, like given like childhood background, all kinds of fun stuff, a couple of lifetime movies, like worth of like very, like I'm an insecure person. Like, I don't even think it's like an empath thing. I think it's just like, I'm an insecure person. Like, I'm just like, do you like me? Do you like me? Right. That's why like the courage to be disliked is such a funny title for once we actually do that episode. But it's like, to me, what I've learned is it really comes down to the whole notion of respond, don't react. Right. And the thing that you just said, you were responding. Marie was reacting a bit. Right. And there's some folks, I think like really high empaths. And I know Marie a bit, obviously. And I think she's very similar to like Peter on my end. They can't not react, right? In, in a lot of cases. Like, you know, well, they can't. That's why not, she's not like, going to hop on the call and deal with the guy on this thing that's essentially totally. a negotiation of some kind. And that's not her thing. Totally. And I'll do it. It's my thing. I'll do it. I mean, it's not even my thing, to be honest, but like, someone's got to do it. It's very much one of those things where it's not a right or wrong thing, I think. I think everyone can do better at not taking things personally. But I think it's one of those things where like, I do think if you're like predisposed to it a little bit is I guess the word, or like you just given your upbringing or whatever, like it's more about, I took this energy in. So literally like I saw this glass door review. No one likes to feel like they didn't do a good job. If you're not a total, like you don't like to feel like someone had a bad experience at your company, but it's like the reaction of F this person, the reaction of, oh, I must have done everything wrong. Those reactions are like not helpful to anyone, but you still, in my mind, need a little bit of that reaction to realize I can always get better. Let me like audit a little bit of like, who do I think this was? Are there things that I've done in the last six to nine months or whatever? Like not even related to the person, but just like taking an audit of like, how am I doing on like some of these personality traits that they're mentioning, right? And then kind of like, again, thinking through the situation and being like, is there something I need to change? If no, like, okay, move on, keep an open mind, keep auditing. If yes, okay, then keep going and like evolve, right? And I think that that respond, not react is like the thing that like, you know, they talk about this a lot with meditation. It's like, instead of reacting, take the extra couple of seconds. I envision it in my head sometimes of like, ah, oh, that energy is coming at me. And like, I grabbed it and like, I want to redirect it rather than just like letting it hit me and feel it. So 
that's the thing that I really get into because I think that that's the big thing. And, and I think like one thing, and we're kind of getting there is like, I also think you need to understand like who you're good for in terms of working and who you're bad for in terms of working. And it's not a good or bad thing overall. It's just a fit thing. I started calling it like indirectly abrasive. And what that means for me is like, I'm not going to be overtly abrasive. That's not my style. You know, again, I don't call people stupid, berate them. There's like intentionally by any means, but I can be super direct. And what I mean by super direct is, Hey, why did we do that thing the way we did it? Oh, okay. Did we think of this? Well, why didn't we think of that? Like that conversation, right? And if you all of a sudden are like not used to that or you don't interact with me a lot or like you're you're more sensitive, like not in a bad way, but just more sensitive to all of a sudden that like almost emotionless, like neutral-ish place can be taken very negatively, right? And I can go, oh my gosh, let me change to be more positive or to do compliment sandwich or to add a lot of prefaces to the things I'm saying, it's not my natural inclination. It's going to take an incredible amount of work for me to change. And I, after a lot of soul searching, I'm like, I don't know if I should change this because, you know, it is part of a strength of like speed and strategic and all these other things. And so then going, okay, well, if someone has that reaction, it's not right or wrong, but like, it's not going to work well with my style and so let's find them a different place at the company. Let's find them a different manager. Let's find them a different job and not build that resentment where I keep trying to change, but I'm not able to, and I keep failing and they get the resentment built up even more because they're having anxiety over it. It's just a bad situation. And, and that's the big thing is like, what is your working style? So actionably I have a doc. It's like working with PC doc, right? And any like major hire that's going to report to me, like I make sure that they see that before, like, I'm like, Hey, this is how I work. Like, obviously we've had a bunch of conversations, but you know, this is the dating part. Here's like my taxes or my audit or my credit score or whatever. So you can kind of see everything and understand, like, I'm pretty blunt. I'm pretty direct. It's not because I'm, you know, frustrated or anything. It's just like a speed thing to me, uh, so on and so forth. So that's one thing I suggest to a lot of people is like, have that doc and have a lot of introspection. Yeah. I have it. a few thoughts on this. So the reason I focus on not taking things personally is because I'm trying to identify my triggers really fast. This is the emphasis. So it is a little more than semantics. It's more so if I convince myself that I shouldn't take something personally, when I do take it personally, I stop myself really quickly, figure out why, and then I'm through it. And if I had any other attitude, like respond, not react, to me, respond and react are almost the same thing. It doesn't quite work for me in, in my mindset with that. So that's why I go for the jugular, if you want to call it that, but like the end goal. The end goal is move through life smoothly. Don't let things be good or bad overly either way and take care of what's in front of you and let the flow take care of itself. And that's how I think. And so I try to come up with things that enable me to figure out when I'm not in flow or when something's triggered me and get to a much deeper level like of it that. so that the next time it happens, I don't even have the same reaction. So I'm, I'm really trying to identify my triggers would be a TLDR in this specific area of like why I go so far on saying don't take things personally. Now, I know there are people that have said that and mean it a whole different way than I'm describing. And that's where I think people get triggered when I say that. Not that you were, but my whole point is I want to move through feelings faster when they are ones that are undesirable. And that's where my intention comes from. So I try to find things in my life where I can do that. So even like I've gotten really good at meditation in terms of feeling the anxiety in my body. So now I can almost instantly feel it when I even get an email or when I'm about to hit a situation and I wonder why. And then by the time that experience is done, I know exactly why I had that feeling before the experience. And I'm like, oh, crap. 
right? So like today at Nero, we demoed a company I've talked to before and a person I've talked to before, and we demoed them again and more of their team. And we already know it's a long one. Like it's like somebody very particular about what they want and we're just not quite there yet for them. And I had this feeling before the meeting. I'm like, why do I have this feeling? And I couldn't shake it. Like I've demoed this thing. I want to say a thousand times now, just like you've probably demoed your product a lot, but I've had a very intense experience of this recently in the last six months of demoing this thing. And so I don't have a problem demoing it. And so then the guy shows up with his couple people from his team and I'm like, oh, you're that guy who is going to make me do my dance and then tell me why he doesn't want my product yet. Right. And like, that's what he did. And it was very particular. And in fact, it was a very awesome conversation because the thing he wanted, we're going to go add to the product or start adding it like tomorrow because it was, it just clicked. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Like we should do that. We're not going to get his business yet, but it was great. And I was just had this pit of my stomach feeling I don't get when I demo anymore, but I did with him because it's this guy and I've talked to him before, but like I have that and now I know, okay, cool. I, I know where to pay attention when I have that on demos just because I thought of it like that. Right. And I didn't take anything he said personally, of course, but like I now understand more about myself as a result or what I was feeling going into the convo. Right. So it's things like that I'm trying to figure out for myself. So anyway, I wanted to kind of share some of that, how how I think about it and what I do. And on your point about sort of like moving people around or figuring out like where they would be better or what's best for them. We're all human beings and have so many things going on in our lives. And like you said, so many lifetime movies of experiences in one lifetime and like no one person at work or even in your personal life is going to fully understand that. Right. I mean, for me, like I've known my wife for 25 years now. Uh, I'm 40. So I've known her since I was 15. And like, she's the only person that just I cannot say what I just said about because we both know each other way too well about pretty much everything at this point because we were kids, right? Like we're still together and we'll continue to be forever uh, in this lifetime. And so it's like that sort of thing that I always come to mind where I don't know you. I don't know your experience and I can't try to imagine it. And so I'm just going to do the best I can. And so I like your idea of like those playbooks or those descriptions of somebody. I haven't built mine out yet. I don't know if I will. You know, the thing I wanted to kind of say to you about this is, I know that I would have to put more energy than I want to in order to directly manage certain types of people. And I don't mean to type people, but there are people who are on our team that if I ever manage them, we would not have a good experience. So I like your idea of moving people around. But the better idea, in my opinion, is just don't manage that many people and find great managers. Our head of engineering is an amazing manager. I have learned more from him than anybody else about leadership and management by just watching him. And this is over 10 years. He, he used to work at Intuit, used to work at SGI when the Google campus was SGI. And so he remembers the Google campus before Google and it was just as fun, I heard. But anyway, and then he moved over to Intuit and then he joined us at Kissmetrics and like his way, I wouldn't do. I don't have the patience for how he manages people, but I have the... Ability to manage him and I you not. Him and I never have a one-on-one and we'll never have a one-on-one, but I directly manage him. Ever. We will not have a one-on-one. We would always look at each other and think that's silly. Hey, hey, let's have a one-on-one. He'd be like, what? You can call me anytime. Our calls are like two minutes to like five hours sometimes, but whatever. And so I'm not that person, but he's got one-on-ones. He's got a bunch of reports. Most of the company reports to him one way or another, whether it's through managers or whatever. I mean, small company, 20 people, but like 16 of them are on his team. And so I just look at it like, Patrick, just manage the people that are easy to manage for you and everyone else should be managed by someone else. And that's the end of the story. Because here's another problem. 
It is extremely hard for someone who is a team member to understand the life of a CEO. And so they're not going to have the empathy or anything with you in the way that you need to have with them. And you can't expect that. And so I think it's very hard for us to manage people successfully without having the buffers or having people that are just better than us and managing. I'm sure I could be as good as Steve. Do I want to be? Absolutely not. Is he better than me? Yes. And that's why he manages more people than anyone else in the company will continue to. Even on our team with Marie, who's our COO, she's a COO specifically. And eventually, as many people as possible are going to report into her org, if you want to call it that, you know, and that's it. That's how it's going to be, you know? And yeah, sure. I might negotiate all the salaries because that's what I got to do. And that helps out. But like, I don't want these reports. I know what that does to me. And I know what else I should be doing. That's not that. That is way more important to the business than doing that. So that's kind of my longer, like my current thinking on it. And again, this is not out of, I don't want to manage people. This is not out of people telling me I'm not good at managing people. This is just out of knowing myself and knowing how many other things I want to do besides be on -on one-on-ones all day. You're going to have to manage someone. But the thing is, is like you technically manage Steve, but you're not managing. You know what I mean? It's my management style. It's different, right? I don't even think I manage him, but I do. That's the whole point. Like those people should not report to me who don't jive with the style. Our style's merging or our style's aligning, right? That's kind of my point. I do think that people sneak through. What we found is that people sneak through because sometimes hiring on some of these axes is really difficult, right? Or maybe it's not difficult, but you we miss We had someone some sneak through and they were here for 60 days. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's what I'm trying to say. I should have known from week one and I did. And you know, and then you keep trying, right? Like, again, like we all make those mistakes, right? But like, it was very clear that like, it wasn't going to work. And you know, this is someone, by the way, that said, hey, Heaton, can you be nicer to me? And no one's ever said that to me. And that should have been a sign. And I told him, hey, I'm not trying to be mean to you, man. I have found for me personally, when people take it to that plane, I don't know if it's, it's not emotion. It's like niceness, form. It's a fuzzy describer is a problem. When it comes to a form discussion, not a function, that means that like, assuming the person is not that's where your alignment thing comes in yelling or screaming or something like that that's what that's what i'm getting at right like this is all assuming like people aren't like overtly being jerks right because there's these cultural things and then there's management things and what we found is like a lot of the management things for like me were the cultural mismatches right even if it was something as simple as like critical thinking or someone's like sensitivity to the form right we would go oh this person needs to be a 50 out of 100 for whatever this is and they're at 20 and these numbers are all made up. It was so arrogant of us to think we can help them get from 20 to 50, right? Like how arrogant of us to think, hey, we're going to take you there in six months when this person is like baked, like they've been a human being for 20, 30 plus years, right? And so I think for us, it was more of just putting some things in place to really define like either case studies or things like that, that we could do inside the hiring process. And then having some checks and balances once people are hired to like review these specific things. We have a monthly meeting where Faku and I sit down and we literally just go through the entire roster. And and most of the time it's like a 20 minute meeting, but we're just like, were there any of like these form conversations that happened? Right. And if there were, then we go, well, was it a justifiable one? Was there a situation where it was like a really bad miscommunication or is it more like what we would consider non-justifiable? And If it's a non-justifiable one and all of a sudden those are adding up, then we're like, this person, like, we just can't, like, we're not the right place for them, right? I don't know if I want to share what we do in our interviews because it's a little controversial. I'll share it. For context, one thing that's really important to us is like, it's not necessarily that you, you get upset. 
like that's fine. Everyone gets upset. You take things personally. Some things you can't like, I don't know something about you and I triggered something like that stuff happens. We really care how you handle Always. that situation. Yeah, I agree. We talk about this thing called the most charitable interpretation principle a lot where it's like, you know, again, it's not an excuse to be a jerk to someone, but it's like, if someone says something, try to give them the most charitable interpretation. If you can't, talk to them about it. And if you can't talk to them about it, talk to, you know, HR or something like that. Right. What we came up with, cause this is something that was really hard to like figure out like temperament when people are in like an interview setting. Right. Because everyone's kind of on their best behavior, including the company. And so what I came up with, and it's worked really well is we do a case study. It's a very simple case. I do it in all final interviews. And I always preface with, there's no right answer because there isn't an actual right answer. And I say, okay, imagine we're in a Slack channel and so-and-so, and it's always someone they interviewed with. Um, they share a report from McKinsey or doesn't matter, some external like content. And another person, always nameless, in the Slack channel goes, oh, I saw that report and I thought it was, and they call it the R word, another word for someone with cognitive disabilities, right? What do you do? What do you think the company should do, Right. And then they answer. And what's kind of interesting is like the reason I, I, I've actually really enjoyed this case is because it's not political. It's just like how do you handle like conflict on something that's like just either in your mind like terrible or in some people's minds just eh, kind of gauche or kind of like just not great, right? Not very professional, right? And what's funny is there's, there's about 15% of people that I interview less now because we do some things earlier in the process who think that that person should just be fired on the spot. And I always ask them and I say, well, what if the person was like 55, they didn't grow up with it being a bad word. They actually might've grown up where it was a medical term because it started off as a medical term, then it turned bad and now it's like real bad, right? Doesn't matter. You know, that person should be fired. Okay. And then there's some people who like, we don't really get this as much of like, eh, nothing. Like we don't really get nothing that often, but most people go, well, if I know them, I'm probably going to DM them and just be like, Hey, like, I don't know, like, you know, a lot of people, they say, I'm going to seek to understand first. Some other people are like, if I know them, I'm going to be like, hey, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's not good for you. It's not good for the team, that kind of thing. So it's just a little litmus test. And then after the case, and sometimes I challenge them here and there, and I intentionally tell them I'm going to do that. I say, hey, just so you know, I've never heard anyone use that word at the company. Like, just to be super clear, here's how we would handle it. And I explain how we would handle it. And if their way they would handle it was way off, I say, this probably isn't going to be a good fit. And that doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean we're good. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that like, if we handle stuff like this and you think we should be handled like this, God forbid there's anything this dramatic, but like, there's going to be smaller things that you're just not going to like. And I don't want you to like be in a place where that's, you know, that environment for that. It's What's the reaction well you get from people who aren't a fit and you say that too? Most of the time I say it a little... I mean, that was okay, I guess, how I said it. But most of the time it's like, oh, yeah, I'm really glad I knew that now before like an offer and stuff like that. And, and normally it's like, I always say like, listen, like the way that you think we should handle it, and there's always variations. Like I think there's companies that that's exactly how they handle it. Like let's find you one of those companies. Like if I can be helpful, here's a list of folks in the area if they're interviewing in Boston or Salt Lake. They're normally really appreciative. I've gotten like one person out of, you know, a good number who was like, not offended, but kind of defensive, like, like they wanted the job, but also like, I think they thought it would be okay, like to come and work here while also having like a very like different view of how we would handle it. That was a little dicier, but we got through it and it was, it was, it was okay. To me, what I like about that and what I align with fully is this idea 
that we use in our engineering interviews of helping someone understand the environment they're going to be in and testing that. And so I don't think it's that controversial. I think it's a way to understand that alignment and a way to understand if someone can be successful in your organization or not. They might not like how you handle it, but that's fine because they're just not aligned with how the company's run and how the culture is, right? And that's all you're trying to figure out. It's like a culture fit and a litmus test for that. And it's totally acceptable. It makes sense. I mean, the weeds of it are like, oh, someone disagreeing with you. It's like, well, at least you didn't join the company and then have this problem. So there's like a spectrum, right? And and it's kind of like a sense of, I don't know if it's sensitivity. Again, it's how you would handle it, right? And and, and there was a word that someone used that I like was like, oh, that's the word. I forgot it. Again, it's like some folks, it's like anything bad, doesn't matter how bad or how like bad. It's just like anything bad we got to fix, right? And then there's other folks that's like, oh, there's a spectrum of bad, right? And, And this word is like, not great. It's pretty bad, but you know, we would probably agree. It's like not someone saying the N word. It's not someone like yelling at someone or hitting someone like, you know, there's, there's different spectrums. And I think that like what it does sometimes cause are a lot of questions on like, well, how would you handle this situation? How would you handle this situation? Right. Which I think is actually really good because then you can kind of like, I, I can walk through and be like, okay, that's actually, that's interesting. We didn't have a situation like that, but this one's kind of similar and this is how we would handle. And like, some people do ask about clearly dramatic things like sexual harassment. And I'm always like, we have not had like an issue, but like, this is our policy. Like we don't handle it. And I also sometimes say, I'm like, listen, like if someone was using that word and like someone was like, Hey, like, could you not? And then they kept using it and they were like, just kind of like, we don't have like a no jerk policy. Like some people say that in their culture, but it's kind of like, they just don't last long because like, they're just not good. Like they're just not good at their jobs. Right. Like I think some people are like, well, you can have someone who's really good at their job and they're a jerk. And it's like, not like, I don't think so. Like, I think that like, yes, in a very large company probably, but like more often than not, like so much of the work we're doing is collaborative. Like it's not going to work out or it's going to be so obvious that like, they're going to not, you know, not going to want to stay either. Yeah, no, it's good to figure these things out, especially in the market, the way it is today. I don't think we have a choice. We have to make sure people are coming on with the right uh, sort of alignment with the company. And if they're not, then everyone's wasting time and it's precious time. And I will say that like we instituted this like very clearly for everyone. I was doing it before this, but like kind of not selectively, but kind of like selectively, but, but not with any like specific purpose. But we instituted this, like everyone has to answer this question probably about 10 months ago. And it's kind of night and day, the culture. And it was not just that, but it was also, they definitely didn't like how we would handle that situation who are working here already. And some of them, you know, one got let go, but that was not because of this. A couple, they ended up leaving on their own. And so it was one of those things where like, it's been an amazing, like, let's just say past six months, six to nine months where like some of the conversations that were taking up two to four hours of my week each week, 12 months or more ago, I'm not having any of those conversations. And they ranged from all over the place. Like it was just like these very like urgent, dramatic conversations. Like I'm not having any of them, um, which I think is great. And I think it's one of those things too, where that kind of gets back to the old adage of like, define your culture, make sure you know, like what are behaviors that are rewarded and what are behaviors you don't want to have. And then make sure you hire based on that, which I think it's so hard for a lot of people because you have loss loss aversion. You're like, you know, I need this higher. I need this higher, that kind of thing. And it's like in the long run, it never works out well. So that's been fun. The one other thing I'll say kind of to close the loop, maybe on the glass door stuff, which is kind of the whole topic here is 
communication is so crucial because on some of our early Glassdoor reviews that were bad, there was clearly a disconnect. Like there was clearly like, how do they not know this thing, right? Like how do they not know who HR reports to, right? Because they said like, well, HR reports to this person and they're problematic. And I'm like, no, 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 HR reports to me. <laughs> like they didn't report to that person, right? Like there were a couple of like facts that were just wrong. And I was like, how do they not know this? Well, it's because they weren't communicated to. <laughs> like it's because they weren't clearly communicated with. And I think that's the one thing I've learned most from Glassdoor is like you can't one-on-one -on -one, like tackle perceptions and stuff. But when you're reporting or talking to an entire company at all hands or something like that, being very clear about expectations, being very clear about here's how we think about this, here's how we not think about this, here's what we don't know, those types of things are so crucial because I think that would have helped in addition to kind of this like very hiring just so stringently on culture. It would have helped save us, you know, some of those glass door reviews, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Communication is key in life, period, especially because we have to deal with other people. That's it. Like there's well, and also just another reminder of like communicate four times, like the same thing. Till you get bored. You know, I think that's the other thing. Like I already said it once. Why just do like I say it again? Doing a thousand demos like, of the same thing. Yep. Good. Totally. That's um, a wrap. I feel like I could talk more, but anything else on this? Nah, this is a deep topic, but nah. So we talked about a little bit of sales, a little bit of swag, and then we spent a lot of time on Glassdoor, mostly around alignment. That was the big thing. Evolving on how you respond, you don't react. And ultimately making sure that like, you know, if you're doing something wrong, fix it, be introspective. But also if you didn't do something like overtly wrong, it's not a right or wrong thing. Make sure you just go and seek that alignment, which I think is the, the secret to most yep. things. If you're not aligned, you're not ever going to get anything done. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Also, make sure to subscribe to and tell your friends about Tradeoffs, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions.